In today's message, we examine a lesser-known apostle by the name of Andrew. Not a great deal is mentioned about this man of God, but we get more than enough in Scripture to give us an understanding that Andrew's life held great eternal value in the sight of God. It's really hard to say what the Bible and the stories therein that we're so familiar with would look like without Andrew's contribution. In other words, as the title of this message goes, Andrew's Life Mattered. chapter 1, verse number 29, the Bible says this. It says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Verse number 35, again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus... And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for your blessings upon us. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here in this house. And God, I just pray for these people. Lord, I ask you, God, that you open their heart to the Word of God here today. Help us to not... Be distracted by anything going around us, Lord, or anything that is before us. God, but help us just for a few minutes focus on you. Lord, I pray, God, you take Satan out of the equation. Lord, just boot him out of here today. Boot him out of our minds. The deceiver, the infiltrator. And God, I pray, Lord, that you help us just to focus on the Holy One of Israel. God, I thank you for that. Bless our time, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now in this scripture here, we uh, see the beginning of Christ's ministry. 
We had read how John's testimony here where John saw Jesus and he baptized Jesus and the Spirit descending on him. And he said, the one that sent me baptized, in other words, God sent me to baptize, said that it, when I see the one that the, the Spirit descending upon, man, that's him. That's the Lamb of God. That's the Messiah. And he said, I saw it. And then in verse number 35, he says again, The next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. So this is the onset of Jesus' ministry. But the one person I want to focus on in this scripture is Andrew. Is Andrew. One of the apostles, one of the twelve that would follow Jesus Throughout his ministry, he is actually one of the very first ones to follow Jesus, as we see here in this scripture. Now, Andrew, as we as we see also in verse number uh, forty, Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. Now, Andrew is only mentioned; the name Andrew is only mentioned twelve times in scripture. That's it, and so you don't see a lot of information given about Andrew. His brother, however, is uh, mentioned quite a lot. He gets a lot of attention. A lot of attention is, is focused upon uh, Simon Peter. We know him as Peter. Uh, his brother, the Apostle Peter, kind of the leader of the bunch, saved Jesus. And, and so Peter, just the word Peter, I think I looked it up, is mentioned 156. It's mentioned in 156 verses in Scripture. And that's just the name Peter. That's not when he's referred to as Cephas or uh, Simon or, you know, something like that. And so Peter gets a lot of attention. Andrew does not get much attention at all. But I want you to understand that Andrew's life mattered. Andrew's life mattered. Now, I want to make the distinction when I say Andrew's life mattered with Something that's propagated in our society. You've heard the terms black lives matter, right? Or blue lives matter. And what they are getting at is not what I am trying to say today. What they are saying when they say black lives matter, blue lives matter, is that they have worth or they have value. And that's not what I'm getting at today. I, I, I think it's really... It goes beyond the pale to have to say this, but let me just say all lives have worth. Amen? All lives have value. Listen, Jesus died for whosoever. Thank God for that. And so all lives have worth. All lives have value. But I cannot say the same thing about those, whether they matter or not. When I say Andrew mattered... What I mean by that is, Andrew's life mattered in the scope of eternity. It mattered. It made a difference in the scope of eternity. I think the majority of people that are born, and they go by the way of the grave, their contribution to eternity is minimal to none. It's minimal to none. And it's sad to say that. It's sad to say that. But in all honesty, there is a bunch of people that have lived and that have died. And it didn't matter at all in the scope of eternity whether they were here or not. 
Now, all of them had value, and all of them had worth. They didn't really matter in the scope of eternity. Andrew, however, he mattered. He mattered. I think of, and, and, and I want to make this clear, Andrew, Andrew didn't matter because of his popularity. He didn't matter because of his wealth. He didn't matter because of his heritage. He didn't matter because of his brother or his kinfolk. He mattered essentially because of two things. That's, number one is he mattered because of Jesus. Amen? Jesus is what made Andrew matter. And the other thing is what he did concerning Jesus. What he did with Jesus. That, that's what made Andrew matter. Andrew in and of himself was nothing, but Andrew plus Jesus is everything. And what Andrew did with that mattered. We think of people, and our society has this very skewed perception on who matters and who doesn't. Who makes an impact and who doesn't. The first one I thought about was Steve Jobs. You all know Steve Jobs, right? Most everyone should know Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was a, uh, he's, he's dead now, but he was co-founder of uh, Apple. I'll, I'll save my term for that for another day. He is co-founder for Apple Computers, what was Macintosh and so forth. And many of you right now, you sit there and look at a device that his company uh, has manufactured, and you, you, you look at that you know, multiple times a day. And, and someone would look at Steve Jobs and they would say, man, Steve Jobs, he was really somebody important. He really made a difference in this society. He really mattered. But I want you to understand that what Steve Jobs accomplished on this side of eternity did not carry any weight with God. It didn't. It didn't mean anything to God. And Steve Jobs today, let me tell you what, Steve Jobs holds no prestige in hell. He is simply one other man that is crying out for a drop of water to cool his tongue. His stocks couldn't get him out of there. His money couldn't get him out of there. His popularity couldn't get him out of there. Only Jesus could get him out of there, but yet he turned unto Buddha instead of Jesus. Let me tell you something, Buddha cannot save you. Allah cannot save you, but thank God Jesus can. And so, we have a very skewed perception of who really matters and stuff. And I want to show you in this message here why Andrew's life mattered. And, and so, I want you to see the way this scripture flows and the way it goes, it is so beautiful in the sense that it shows a progression one point will lead into the next. Because of this point, then this one happened. There was, you see a progression happening throughout this scripture in, in, uh, in Andrew's life. You see this progression happening. And I want to say here, uh, and, that, and that is this, that a Christian's life should not be stagnant, it should be progressing. That's the way a Christian's life should be. We should be progressing instead of being stagnant and stale and, and, uh, and, you know, to have no meaning in the scope of eternity. So, I had, I had like I said, I had seven points. I had seven points here, but, uh, and then I added this one. I added the very first one, and that is when looking at Andrew here, we see, number one, he was unconcerned about Jesus. Prior to John's testimony unto him, 
Andrew didn't know who Jesus was. Andrew probably didn't care who Jesus was, right? He was just simply unconcerned about Jesus. And when I think of uh, this world, I think a lot of, of a lot of people who are unconcerned about Jesus. Amen? They really don't give Him much thought. They don't really care anything about Him. And so they're unconcerned about Jesus. But I want to say this emphatically, and that is what you do with Jesus determines your eternity. It determines your everything. He was unconcerned about Jesus. But then we see something next, and that is that he considered Jesus. Verse number 35, it says this, And the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Landrew well, started to consider Jesus, and he started to consider Jesus, number one, because of John's works, because of who, who John was. John was a great man of God. And it wasn't just recognized by some that he was. I mean, those that were opposed to him recognized him as a great man of God. If you were to go back up and uh, read prior to the scripture in which we read, you could see that the Pharisees came to John, and they came to him, and he said, Man, who are you? Who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you Isaiah? Are you, are you a prophet? Who are you? They started comparing him to Christ. Let's just read verse number 19. It says, And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then they say unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us, that thou, uh, what sayest thou of thyself? So they didn't know who he was. But I can tell you what, they thought pretty highly of him. To consider him akin to Christ, hey, that ought to be our goal, hey, amen? Someone, I, I, there would be no greater honor than to someone uh, confuse me with Christ in that sense, that I lived a life that was akin unto him. But if not Christ, man, Elijah, Elijah was a great prophet of God. They said, well, are you him? And he said, a prophet. They knew he was of God. And so... I, say, I, I, I specify all of this to say that when John started testifying about Jesus, it mattered unto Andrew. When John, when John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, exclamation point, right? No question mark after that. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God, referencing Jesus. That meant something to Andrew. It meant something to Andrew. His words held weight. Listen, Christian. If you're not living like a Christian, your words will not hold weight with the lost. John was a man of God, and therefore, when he testified of Jesus, it held weight. And so, Andrew started considering Jesus, number one, because of the works of John, or who John was, but also because of John's witness. And there's two things to point out when John is pointing to Jesus, and that is number one, that he is, he is pointing all the attention toward Jesus. In fact, he would go on to say later on, he'd say, he must increase and I must decrease. 136, John 136, it says, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. Church, listen to me. If you're a Christian, say amen. amen. By your mouth, this is you. You know what we, our business ought to be? Pointing people to Christ. That's what John did. That's what John did. And because John did that, then Andrew, instead of focusing on John, he started, oh, that's the Lamb of God? 
John made this uh, testimony that that's who he was. And so he pointed to Jesus. And we should be pointing people to Jesus. We should not be lifting ourselves up. Amen. Church, there is nothing I can do personally to save you if you're lost. I can't do it. I don't have, even if my vocabulary was good, I wouldn't have the words to say to save you. But I can tell you what, Jesus can. And so I can point you to him, and that'll benefit you. That's what John did. We see... Andrew considered Jesus because of what John did. Had John not done that, he might not have even considered him at all, but thank God he did. He considered Jesus. That's the first step. There's some out there, and if you're here today and you're lost, I hope that you will at least consider Jesus, that you will think about him and what he did. Think about what John said about him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. The Lamb, there was no question as to what John was saying. The Lamb was something that was sacrificed for the sins of the people. The blood would be shed so that uh, the, the sin would fall on. They would pay that sin debt. And uh, man could go free. It'd be free from the obligation of what their uh, sin was uh, imputed upon them. Jesus, listen, he died for you. He shed his blood for you. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And so John pointed him to Jesus. They considered, Andrew considered Jesus, and then next we see he committed to Jesus. Andrew just decided to follow him. Verse number 37, it says, And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. It wasn't just... It wasn't just about John's pointing. Man, they heard Jesus speak. They heard Jesus speak. And that's it. I can, I can sit here and I can testify and I can say, Behold, the Lamb of God taketh away the sin of the world. If you put your trust in Him, you can know that your sins have been forgiven, that you can go to heaven when you die. I can, I can, I can do all that. But listen, what will happen and happen to me, and if you've been born again and happened to you, is that you'll hear Jesus speak to your heart. You'll hear Jesus speak to your heart. My words may come to your ears, but Jesus's will pierce your heart. And it did, Andrew, and he decided to follow him. This is a most important step. Now, in our analogy here, in looking at this passage of Scripture, and I spoke about how this is a progression, how one will lead to the next and lead to the next, and that is that we see that Andrew was unconcerned about Jesus, and then, because of the testimony of John, he began to consider Jesus. Jesus speaks, and now Andrew is committed to Jesus. He is following him now. So in our analogy, this is where Andrew Andrew has made the decision to put his trust in Jesus Christ. Now, I'd ask you who was born again a little bit ago, and many of you said amen. There was a day then, there was a day and there was a time when you considered Jesus, Jesus spoke to you, and you made the decision to put your faith in him. 
not put it in your works, not trying to trust that your good's going to act the way you're bad, not trying to trust in your church membership, not trying to trust in what your uh, this or that or the other, but simply you put your faith in Him, you committed unto Him. Andrew did that. He committed unto Him. Some of you may simply be in the considering stage. Let me tell you what, if you, if you die without committing to Jesus Christ, without making that decision to put your trust in Him, you'll lift up your eyes in hell. For the Bible says this, 1 John 5, 12, it says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God uh, hath not life. Many will look at what I said in the introduction about Steve Jobs and say, well, preacher, that's awful harsh that you're talking about that man being in hell. Listen, that's his testimony. That's his testimony. I'm just going on what he said, comparing it to what the Bible says. The Bible says that he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, for he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I mean, that's the Bible. And if anyone, you, Steve Jobs, anyone else, is trusting in anything else other than Jesus Christ, you're going to die and lift up your eyes in hell. And that's not me speaking, that's the Word of God. Andrew, he considered Jesus. He committed to Jesus. He committed to Jesus. But then it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there because there's so much more that happens after that. For so many Christians, oh, that's exactly where it stops. It's exactly where it stops. Man, we, we, we're, we're not concerned about Jesus, and then someone, by the grace of God, has told you about the free pardon of sin through Jesus Christ, and then you begin considering it. And then the Holy Spirit begins working on your heart, and then you, you, you just fall down before uh, Jesus Christ, and you say, I give it to you, Lord. I'm tr putting my trust in you, and you're born again. And then that's where it is. Man, you get up from the altar, and you go about your life, and then you just live the way you always have. Friends and brethren, it ought not be that way. Andrew didn't stop there. The next thing I want to show you is that we see in verse number 38 and 39, it says that he was curious. <clears throat> he was curious about Jesus. He was curious about Jesus. Verse number 38 says, and then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto him, Why seek ye? Uh, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? Verse number 30 says, And he saith unto them, Come and see. So a few things to notice about this. He was curious about Jesus. Number one, he showed interest in Christ. He, Andrew's life mattered. Andrew's life mattered. It mattered because he showed interest in Jesus. He wanted to know more about this man. He wanted to know more about this man. Now go back to what I said about how Andrew's life mattered in the scope of eternity. Not simply saying that it had worth, not simply saying it had value. Listen, I want you to understand that every soul in here has worth and they have value. Amen? Every soul has worth and has value. But is your life going to matter in the scope of eternity? If you stop at simply being saved and that's where your progression ends... It's not going to matter too much, church. It's not going to matter too much. But Jesus, or Andrew here, we see that he was curious about Jesus. He wanted to know more about Jesus. Jesus has so much more to offer, church, than simply salvation. 
so much more to offer than simply salvation. Of course, that's, that's kind of what we focus on. That's kind of the end game, and that is absolutely important. I don't want to minimize the importance of that. But I also want to let you know that Jesus has so much more to offer in this life, not just the next, but in this life. He was curious about Jesus. He showed interest in Jesus. And uh, he didn't just show interest in Jesus, but Jesus satisfied his curiosity. He started following him, and he said, Jesus said, what do you, what do you seek? What do you seek? They, they, they said something very simple. Where, where do you dwell? Where do you dwell? I mean, that was a most simple request. And, and, and what did he say? Come and see. Come and see. I wonder if they would have asked something else if Jesus would not have given it to them. But that's what they asked. He said, uh, where do you dwell? He said, well, come and see. Let me tell you what, if you are curious about Jesus and you desire to know more about Jesus, Jesus will satisfy that curiosity. I have been born again now for 19 years, and some of you may have been saved longer than I have, and that's fine. I'm glad it's not a competition, amen? But I know a lot of people that's been born again a long time that doesn't know much about the doctrines of Christ. Why? Is it because God doesn't like them? Doesn't want them to, to know about Him? God's trying to be elusive? Listen, God is perfectly revealed unto us. It's perfectly, we live in a day and age in which God has revealed all these things unto us. No, they don't know about Christ because they don't desire to get to know Christ. The Bible tells us, James tells us, says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. And listen, if you desire wisdom in the things of God, God will give it to you. I've been born again 19 years, and... I'm not the best student of the Bible, but I've uh, put a good amount of time in studying the Bible. And let me tell you what, I learn more every day. I've not begun to get near to the depths of what the Word of God has to offer. And you can grow, and you can grow, and you can grow, but it takes that curiosity. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 17, says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So Andrew's life mattered because he was curious about Jesus, and Jesus satisfied that curiosity. And so, just to go back, we see he was unconcerned, then he considered him, then he was committed to him. And then Andrew was curious about Jesus. He didn't want that superficial relationship that so many others have. So many Christians have a superficial relationship with Christ. He didn't want that. He wanted something deeper. And we see what happens next because of that. Verse number 39, he communed with Jesus. 
Verse number 35, 39, he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. We see that he communed with him because he was curious about him. I, I hope you see how each one of these things kind of builds off the other. You see this progression in the life of Andrew. And we see a progression in the life of the Christian. We see that Andrew spent time with Christ. That's an important thing. To spend time with Christ. That's an important thing. I was thinking just uh, the other week or so, I was in discipleship class and we were teaching on prayer and the Word of God. You know how those two things go together? That is this. Prayer is us speaking unto God. The Word of God is God speaking unto us. You know what that is? Communication. Communication. Do you know what the most important thing in any relationship is? Communication. My wife desires my attention. Don't you, baby? You can say it. Don't be bashful. She desires my attention. I desire her attention. There's times when she's, you know, doing something. And I just want to spend time with her. There's times when I'm doing something. I'm busy with, preoccupied with something, and she just wants to spend time with me. She wants to commune with me. That is most important in any relationship. Let me ask you this. How are you communicating with God? How is your communication with God? Because what we so often see as Christians when we pray, it's feeble prayers. We're really not spending any time in prayers. We might say grace over our food. We might do this or, you know, or, or, or do a, you know, a little prayer before the church and stuff like that. But, you know, that's, that's kind of superficial. It's not much time communicating. And then let's go the opposite direction. How many of us are really hearing from God through His Word? How many of us are taking the time to spend in His Word so that God can speak to us? Let me tell you what, God, God has done His part. God has given us His perfect Word, number one. Number two, God has broken down the wall of partition whereby we can boldly approach the throne of grace and call unto Him, Abba, Father. And so God has done His part. Are you doing yours? And see, we wonder, we wonder why our relationship with God suffers so much. It's because of a lack of communication, church. So we see, Andrew spent time with Jesus, and it served a purpose. Andrew was better for it. And I can assure you this, church, and that is if you will spend time with Jesus, you'll be better for it. You'll be better for it, and you'll be better off because of it. So we see Andrew communed with Jesus. Next we see after he communed with Jesus, 
after he had uh, satisfied his curiosity about Jesus, after he had committed unto Jesus, all of these things happening after he was saved in our illustration here, he was convinced by Jesus. Verse number 40. Verse number 40 says, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And so by communing with Jesus here, it made him understand Christ more perfectly. He got to know him better. He got to understand him better. He, got to, he, he didn't have that superficial relationship with him. He didn't just take what John's word said about it. Man, he spent time with him and it mattered. He was convinced then. He, we didn't go to his brother and say, this guy is pretty cool, right? He's pretty neat. He's, he, he's, he's different. He didn't, he, he, he didn't have any question in his mind. He went to his brother and he said, we found him. We, we found him. It's the Messiah. It's the Christ. He was absolutely convinced by him. He was convinced by him. That is so important, church. It's so important because of this. You know why we don't pray? You know why we don't pray like we should? I don't think half of us are convinced that God can do what He's done. I don't think half of us are really convinced as to God, what God can do in your life and your situations. My children, I can assure you this. If my children believe that I can do something and believe that I will do something, you know what my children are going to do? They're going to come to their daddy and ask daddy for something. Why in the world would they not? Why in the world would they just throw up some superficial thing if they knew that daddy was able, daddy was willing? They would readily approach their earthly father for these things if they were convinced by it. If they were on the fence about it, if they were kind of wishy-washy about it, they might uh, hold their peace. But man, if they were convinced by it, they would come unto their earthly father. I can assure you that. I believe if you ask my children or your children, if they're convinced by what they're going to do, they would boldly approach you. Andrew here was convinced about Jesus. He knew Jesus better than what he did before. And so we see Andrew was convinced by Jesus, and uh, it, it moved him to share what he knew about Jesus. Man, he went to, he went to uh, his brother, Peter, and he said, Peter, this is, this is him. This is Jesus. He started giving a testimony about who he was. So he was convinced by him. And then two other short points here. Number, number, uh, number whatever number it is. He then carried others to Jesus. Verse number 42. Verse number 42. And he brought him to Jesus speaking about Simon Peter, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. He brought him to Jesus. Man, I tell you, what beautiful words. He brought him to Jesus. Now, I want you to understand the difference. The difference between verse 41 and verse 42. 
Verse 41, he's simply telling Peter who Jesus is. He's testifying of who Jesus is. That's good, right? I believe if, uh, if I were to ask uh, many of you, you would say, well, who, I'd say, who is Jesus? And you say, well, Jesus is the Son of God, or He's the Son of Man. He is the incarnate Christ. He's God in the flesh. He is this and He is that. And that's testifying about who Jesus is. But the difference in that in verse number 42 is He's not just testifying about who Jesus is. Man, He's taking Simon Peter to Jesus. He's taking him there. How does that work in our lives? Listen, I can tell you about Jesus, right? I can tell you about Jesus. But you know what's even better than that? Taking you to him. Telling you how to get there. And we see the progression coming down. See the progression. And how right here toward the end, man, he is, he is carrying him to Jesus. How many of you would, how many of you would say amen to this? And that is, how many of you believe it important that people be born again? If you believe that, say amen. How many of you would like to carry people to Jesus? Would like to take them to Jesus and see them born again? I mean, you can't save them, man, but you can carry them to Jesus who can. How many of you would like to do that? Say amen. Now, I'm not, going to, uh, I'm not going to do this, but if I were to ask this question and say, how many of you have done that, I wonder how many amens we would have. Why do you think that is? That's because most of us, most Christians, they weren't concerned about Christ. And then they were curious because someone witnessed to them. Maybe they heard a preacher speak or they heard someone like John saying, Behold the Lamb of God, take the way of the the world. And then they committed to Christ. But then their progression ceased. They got satisfied with knowing that they're not going to hell. And they're still unconcerned. They're unconcerned, but not for themselves. They're, 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 they're unconcerned... For those that are going to hell. You know how I know that? Because if we were really concerned about it, we'd want to know more about Jesus. We'd want to gain that, instead of that superficial relationship, we'd want to gain that deeper relationship. We'd want, to, we'd want to just have no doubt about who He is, just knowing the promises of, that He has given us and how He said, man, I'll go with you until the end and all of these things. And, and then we would begin testifying of Jesus and then instead of just telling people about Jesus, we'd tell them how to get to Jesus. That's the way it works. Listen, you have to be committed unto Christ if you're ever going to carry anybody to Christ. You have to be committed unto Christ. You have to. And we see in this, this last point is this, and that is that Andrew was, uh, he was consecrated to Christ. He was consecrated to Christ. He was actually he was crucified with Christ. Church historians tell us, you won't find it in, you won't find it in Scripture, 
but the, the uh, historians have written about this man, Andrew, and what happened to him after that. He would go on in about 70 A.D. He would be crucified in Greece. He wouldn't be crucified like Jesus. He would be crucified on an X-shaped cross. That's why we get the term Andrew's, Andrew's cross. You see, Andrew, Andrew did not have a superficial relationship with Jesus. Man, you don't know a whole lot about him. He's not mentioned a lot in Scripture. But I want you to understand this. Andrew's life mattered. Andrew carried Peter to Jesus. We know a lot about Peter. But I want you to understand this. Had it not been for Andrew, Peter may have never known Jesus. Peter may have never known Jesus. How important it is. Man, not to be satisfied with that superficial relationship and satisfied with our salvation only, but desire that deeper relationship with Jesus, to desire to know Him better so that we can carry people to Jesus. If you've been born again, you're a product of that progression in the life of somebody. Somebody was willing to go further. Somebody was willing to not just make that decision and be saved, but make the decision to be absolutely consecrated unto Christ. Someone made that decision so that you could be born again. Now, I thank God for people like that. I am a product of someone like that, and you are too. Don't you want your life to matter? Don't you want it to matter in the scope of eternity? Don't you want... Don't you want to know that you brought forth fruit unto the Master when you see Him face to face? I hope you do. I do. I do. I trust you do. I trust you do. Listen, it will not happen unless you make a decision. Give it to God and say, I'm done living for myself. I'm done seeking after earthly treasures. I'm done doing that, man. I'm going to seek after heavenly treasures because lost souls matter. They have worth. They have value. And we as Christians, man, we ought to be, we ought to be of the mind of carrying them to Jesus.